This is the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the best of today's Sports Channel 8, the radio show. We are the radio show that is still holding out hope for an NCAA tournament bid. Unless you're Wake Forest. Everybody else? Josh Goodson dubbed it, so you're telling me there's a chance Saturday, and everybody kept their chances alive. Duke, big win. UNC cruised to a win. NC State looked great in a win over Wake Forest. That's right, baby. Don't count us out of the NCAA tournament yet. Duke State and UNC, all huge wins. Multiple wins in a row now for those teams. We're talking about seeding now. We're talking about where they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, not yeah. if they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're going to be at Hinkle Hall, or they're going to be uh, right. at, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Where are they playing? That's what I want to know. Uh, it was a huge weekend, not only for our ACC teams, but Dennis Cox, my producer back at the 99.9 The Fan Studios, was this the greatest weekend in North Carolina sports history? It has to be, Hayes. I hate to be hyperbolic about such things, and I hate to be a victim of recency bias, but you're talking Duke with a huge win over Virginia, a top 10 ranked Virginia team. NC State with a 20-point victory over Wake Forest. Or if it wasn't officially 20, it felt like it. They cruised over Wake Forest. 80-62, 18-point win. UNC crushes Louisville, which is a little bit deceiving because it wasn't really a full Louisville up-to-speed squad. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. 40-point wins. We'll take them. Is that not enough for you? Triangle team's not enough for you? How about a Canes 4-0 win over the Lightning? The most complete game of the year I'm reading everywhere for the Carolina Hurricanes. Does that do it for you? Does putting us at first in the Discover Central Division do it for you? Maybe the best team in the NHL? Why is Rod Brindamore not talked about as one of the best coaches in the NHL? Made the playoffs his first two seasons. Looking pretty good right now. Best start since the 2006 campaign. I don't, oh, what happened then? What happened. I don't have to remind people what happened then. We know. And is that, is that not enough for you? Three triangle ACC wins, bolstering NCAA tournament resumes, the Canes trouncing the Tampa Bay Lightning, Nedeljkovic getting his first shutout of the year. Is that not enough for you? How about the Charlotte Hornets beating the Golden State Warriors? Hornets doing it with a timeout. Chance to win it right here. Rozier. Going to have to put something up. Oh, oh, you don't just want to win? You want a buzzer beater? We got buzzer beaters. We got shutouts in hockey. We got buzzer beaters in hoops. Comeback buzzer beaters over the Warriors without Steph Curry. Doesn't Doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's over the Warriors. Do you need more of that? But you're saying, you're saying, Hayes, Dennis, that's great. Yeah. But those are regular season basketball games. Sure. That's uh, that's a regular season NBA game. These aren't championships we're talking about. Oh, oh, you want championships? Titles. What about an Australian Open title for hashtag Pack Pro and North Carolina Courage part owner Naomi Osaka? Let's go. I mean, just I'm still number. My, Serena is still my number one, but it is kind of nice when as Serena is fading out and uh, hopefully not quickly i hope she sticks around for another two or three years and wins another grand slam title or two but now we know who our next superstar in tennis is 
that goes not only we're, we're a little bit joking here because Naomi Osaka is a uh, co-owner of the North Carolina Courage, but she looks like she's on the verge of becoming a superstar in tennis. Um, those things make it possibly the greatest weekend in North Carolina sports history. Now I know you're probably going to bring up something like, oh, in 1974, NC State won an NCAA title the same weekend that this and that happened. Or the, you know, going to the Super Bowl is a bigger deal. Oh, you want Cam Newton? We got Cam Newton Oh, no, we got Cam Newton news. We got Cam Newton in we the news. We have Cam Newton. He didn't have to be even playing to be buzzworthy. You know this. We've got Cam Newton news. Everything, I guess that's not really Panthers news. If the Panthers had traded for Deshaun Watson this weekend, in fact, I'm not sure it's not going to happen based on all the good vibes, all the positive vibes that came out of the weekend for North Carolina sports, Tepper and Matt Rule should have moved on Deshaun Watson this weekend and said, look, we're just, we're hot right now. Keep the streak going. Um, those are all on the list of things that you could talk about at lunch today. I got I to gotta take a breath. I got to take a breather. Swig of water here. You, That's you a know hot what? start to the show. You earned that, Hayes. You earned that mm. swig of water. I think we, as a state of North Carolina, earned a swig of water. We, we earned everybody just you know, take a swig of water or whatever liquid you got in the flask there in your desk at home. We're all at home. It doesn't matter. Um, but we will talk to Chip Patterson, Ben Swain, Brian Geisiger, Josh Goodson about all the things that happened this weekend and more. Let's start with the things that you could talk about at lunch and hear from some of the people that were involved in it. So you're telling me there's a chance. Josh Goodson called it. So you're telling me there's a chance weekend headed into Saturday. Duke over UVA 66-65 proves that they, not only do they still have a chance, all of a sudden you're looking at Duke's resume and you're like, wait a minute. They're definitely going to get in, right? Like an eight um, seed already now, at least. Currently 47th in the net. Three quad one wins now. That was a huge one. Seven quad two wins. Duke faces Syracuse again tonight. Now three straight wins for the Blue Devils. This one obviously being the biggest and most important of them. Um, shout out to the guys at Duke that have... I, the talk was what's going to happen post Jalen Johnson. Um, and again... You don't make a team better by taking an NBA talent off the floor, but it does look like guys know their roles better. Guys are performing uh, their roles better. And just partly there's a combination. This team very well could have ripped off this win streak with Jalen Johnson, right? There was an element of developing late in the season. Um, but much like at North Carolina, when we've seen improvement, uh, it, a lot of it starts with the guards. I thought Jeremy Roach, 12 points. I guess he was their second leading scorer, but I thought in general, he just, he looked like he was taking over the point guard role and owning it. Um, DJ Stewart has uh, handled the ball some this year. And obviously Matthew Hurt has the ball uh, in his hands a lot, but Rhodes just looks a little bit more like a floor commander. Like we've seen uh, the past couple of years in Duke in this game. Uh, and, and it was big for them. Obviously the development of Mark Williams has been big, but he only played seven minutes in this game. And Jamin Brakefield actually, uh, off the bench was huge in the post and just looked strong. Guys just look more confident right now uh, for Duke. One thing that Duke did not have still were the fans at the game. Obviously, Duke UVA over the past couple of years has become that sort of secondary rivalry. It's always UNC, but at different times we've seen a big rivalry develop with whoever sort of the best team at the ACC is at that time. It was Maryland, if you'll remember, oh, in the yes. early 2000s. Chris Wilcox days. Yes, yeah. Um, and the the when Gary Williams in, in, in the heyday of Maryland, they were you know another rival to to Duke, and some of those games were a, a better game than UNC Duke those years. Yeah, obviously UNC Duke is the consistent rivalry. That's what Virginia Duke 
has become. Um, it's not always for the for the ACC regular season title, but a lot of times it feels like there's uh, NCAA tournament implications on the line. Like usually one of them might be getting a one seed in the past few years. So this has become a big game, a big rivalry. Obviously, again, the one thing that was missing, uh, Coach K said he wishes fans had been there to witness it. This was an epic game. This is a great basketball game tonight. You know, every possession was fought. It seemed like every dribble at times. And, you know, they're an, they're an outstanding team and program and and uh, they're they're veterans and they they played like it. They uh, they're so poised and they play great defense and our kids uh, played great defense tonight too and uh, came up with some really big plays. That is Coach K talking about the game. One thing that, that we've talked about Duke needing to do is get to the line more. They didn't a lot. Five for nine, only nine free throws, but they only uh, surrendered 10 free throws to Virginia. Virginia's not a team that shoots a lot of free throws either. Obviously, a slower pace of play there. It was a high-scoring game, especially in the first half. So, that I mean, that's more towards Duke's pace. Um, they took the lead into halftime. And then again, Matthew Hurt is a dude th that's impressive because they're guys like Justin Champagny, Maybe the first half of the ACC season, people were not guarding him as if he were a, you know, top three or five player in the league. Matthew Hurt has been Duke's known entity the entire season. And Virginia's a very good defensive team. That's what they're known for doing, right? And yet still, uh, he manages to shoot five for eight from three, eight for 13 overall, 22 points. He's just masterful with his, his slight head fakes. His ability to shoot with almost no jump shot, which I know seems like funny and, and it, it it looks YMCA-ish because he's not jumping high, but in reality, he gets the shot off much more quickly, right? It's just cocks it back behind his head and just lets it go. Continues to have a high swish rate, I might note. Um, but Duke, again, all of a sudden, they whip off a three-game winning streak, and you're like, wait a minute. When did we ever talk about them not making the NCAA tournament? Again, nothing's definite now. And I did look at, there's a Bar Torvik site where you can compare NCAA tournament resumes for current teams uh, to, to teams in the past. Now, partly, I feel like that's got to go a little bit out the window because it's a pandemic year, right? Like, how are you yeah. going to, just the records are going to look weird in general. But in terms of the net and some other, you know, power rankings, when you look at Duke's resume, they compare it to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other teams, and about half of them made the NCAA tournament, and about half didn't. Now Duke's uh, net is forty-six. That's better than most of the teams that they're comparing them to. Uh, but just as some reference, right now Duke's resume about a fifty-fifty. But again, the way they're playing now, the way they just got to win, they've got uh, more opportunities to get Q one and Q two wins, and they're Duke. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not knocking the NCAA. I, I think that Duke, Kentucky will get the same, like, uh, bit of, not bit, bit of the doubt, the wrong word, just advantage. Like, it's just the reality of the situation. And that, sorry, that's life. The UNC is going to get the same consideration. Kansas, Kentucky, teams that move the needle are going to get the consideration. Sorry, uh, you know, Iowa State or, or whoever might, yeah. might be bumped by that. But, uh, but that's just how it goes. Um, next up on things you can talk about at lunch. 
NC State over Wake Forest, 80 to 62. This is the third straight road ACC win for NC State, um, which is good for them. Even if they don't end up making the NCAA tournament, and again, they're now 10 and 9 overall, 6 and 8 in conference play, two Q1 wins, three Q2 wins. Josh Goodson had this right. Don't start talking about if they can still do it until Wednesday night. NC State's season is basically on the line at Virginia. Now, is it bad luck to be facing Virginia on the road right after they lost the game? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. But NC State knows what they need to need to do. Um, they got they got to go out and do it. The past couple of games they played well. The the worst case scenario scenario for NC State is obviously like missing the NCAA tournament. But the worst case scenario includes looking really good from some young guys in, in recent games. Um, and so at least you get to feel better about the future. This past game. Uh, the young guy that seemed to shine the most was Darian Sebron. Uh, 14 points. He and Jericho Helms both sort of led the team in scoring. Uh, nine rebounds, three assists, four steals for Sebron. And again, we've seen this from multiple uh, from different the young guys, Cam Hayes, Darian Sebron, Shaq Moore. We've all seen them uh, at different games look like the version of themselves that you want to see playing next year together as a team. So um, when I do the Bar Torvik comparison for NC State, Unfortunately, all the other resume comparisons they do, and again, this is like past teams with similar resumes and whether or not they got in the tournament or not. All the teams that are compared to NC State's resume, currently, they all missed the NCAA tournament. So, but that's before the Virginia game. All we said this weekend was, so you're telling me there's a chance Saturday. They kept the chance alive. They beat Wake. And now they got it. They have to go win at Virginia. I mean, unless... The ACC tournament's going to fall where they get a couple games against, you know, Q1 teams. Uh, winning at Virginia is going to be very necessary for NC State's resume. Kevin Keats called the win over Wake Forest a complete win. Well, I, I'm so proud of these guys. Uh, you know, we have, as you guys know, I don't have to tell you this. I don't have to go with the long story about the struggles that we've had. But when you're playing three freshmen for a long extended minutes, it's going to take those guys a little time to obviously to get better in our system and understand what we want. You know, you look back two or three games ago, we were talking about eight, 19 and 20 turnovers. When you look at how we played today, we had 11 turnovers and 11 assists. And I thought it was the best basketball, best team game that we played. When you look at that five guys were in double figures. Uh, we had two, another uh, couple guys. One guy had nine and one guy had eight points. And then, you know, give Darion Seabron credit. I thought he played well. I thought he was energetic. He did a great job. You know, everybody that we put in the game affected the game in a positive way. That's Kevin Keats talking about his team win. Teams win. Uh, only 11 turnovers, 11 assists. Uh, Cam Hayes, we haven't even talked about, went uh, three for five from three. So, again, a lot of good things. Wait to get excited, as Josh Goodson has instructed us, until after a win over Virginia. If they get that Wednesday night, then we'll start playing the hold on a second game with NC State, as we've done in Duke. But it just goes to show you, in this season, and again, it's going to be, I can already see the Big Ten getting pissed off because there's going to be some team that's like, you know, just under 500 in conference play with wins over, you know, two of the, best teams in the country because they, the Big Ten's got a couple of good teams this year. And in fact, they had one of the best games of the weekend, Ohio State, Michigan. Probably not, uh, we might talk about some of that with uh, with Chip Patterson, but, uh, but we're, we're focused on the local stuff right now. But there's going to be somebody that's saying, hey, 
our our conference re- record is bad, but all our losses are are to like Q one teams, and a couple of our wins are good. And meanwhile, oh, so Minnesota, yeah, that we're yes. talking about again. Yes, that's yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. They're gonna be mad that the Dukes, you know, got a close to five hundred conference record in the ACC, and they're going in, but it's gonna be like too bad. Uh, so we'll see what happens with NC State. UNC is the next thing you talk about at lunch. Their win was 99-54 over Louisville. It was a little bit deceiving. I mean, obviously, Louisville undermanned and coming off a of COVID break is still a decent basketball team. Like, they're a Division One ACC team with AC players. But, like, come on, man. You, you can't put a lot of stock into a 99-54 win over a team that's just coming off their second long break. And, again, we're still missing some dudes. But, look, all credit to Carolina. Uh, they got it done. It was a little bit of a, you know, even more than the Northeastern game, which they, they won handily. This game felt like it, it was a game for some guys to to break out, not break out, uh, but get some what felt like practice reps in a very real game. Namely among them, Kerwin Walton, who has been one of the most consistent guys for UNC since he entered the starting lineup. And he is obviously their shooter. He is... Basically, all of their three-point shooting. If anyone else is shooting a three-pointer, maybe R.J. Davis wide open, you're like, okay, green light. Everyone else, you're like, we could probably get a better shot going low. The only thing I will say about putting up threes is anytime UNC shoots a three-pointer, it's not a turnover, and it's an opportunity for an offensive rebound, which usually works out pretty well. Kerwin Walton, five of seven from three. Um, And if, if they, if UNC has the perfect shot breakdown of who's taking shots and should be taking shots, they're a very tough team to beat. I still don't like Caleb Love shooting four threes necessarily, uh, but he went four for eight overall. Leaky Black doesn't need to be taking two three-pointers. He did. Again, R.J. Davis should take a few, and Kerwin Walton should take five. Caleb Love should take one to two threes a game. Uh, And after that, it's drive the ball to the basket. Leaky Black can can shoot a mid-range jumper if they're leaving him wide open. Kerwin Walton keeps the defense honest because he can shoot anytime he wants from three. And then the big dudes and get on the boards. Daron Sharp was nasty again um, in, in a way that anytime he's been absent, you're wondering why that's the case. 21 points, 11 boards. He just moves so quickly and so uh, aggressively on the on the boards and, and in the post uh, that he's fun to watch. Here's Roy Williams talking about the play of his freshman, Kerwin Walton and Daron Sharp. Well, I think everything. I mean, the biggest stretch was there, Kerwin from the outside, and then Dayron offensive rebounds, and Dayron and Walker Kessler making good passes to each other uh, during that stretch. The last, I'm going to guess, ten minutes of the first half, and uh, I think when we're sharing the ball and moving the ball, and everybody's getting involved, I think they enjoy it a heck of a lot more. And yes, Kessler did good stuff with his minutes again, but. And I know they rolled. So looking at people's minutes in this game is a little bit different. But they, the announcers kept talking about this. They're like, Daron Sharp's per minute production is as good as anybody in the country. There's nothing to me that suggests that if he played 28 or 30 minutes a game, he wouldn't just increase those numbers. Um, I, I know they have a rotation that works right now. It just seems like he, he's so good. Five or 10 more minutes a game for him could be the difference in in a four or five point game. Uh, he just he wins so many possessions, whether it's a rebound, whether it's a, a an offensive putback, whatever it is. 
Um, he's just so good. I don't understand how you can't keep him on the floor more. Next up on things you can talk about at lunch in the best weekend in North Carolina sports history is the Carolina Hurricanes 4-0 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk with Ben Swain a little bit more about it. But again, I kept reading the same phrase over and over and over. Most complete win of the year. First shutout ever uh, for Nedeljkovic. Congratulations to him on that. And he almost gave it up late. He had to like uh, lay on his back on a on a doing snow angels with, with like fifteen seconds. You know he was like, dude, do not let them get a cheapie on me. I do love uh, how did. the the rest of the team, the Canes that were on the ice, were all around the crease, making sure the the puck didn't cross the line either. Yeah, no, they were like, in there. This guy a shutout. Throw their body down, and, and as well they should. I think I read some stat, and I don't have it in front of me. The Lightning have only been shut out like twice in their last uh, i can't even remember a lot of games i want to say almost like 80 games like the lightning score goals it's what they do and now the canes have shut them out twice again the canes lead the division they're plus 19 in goal differential it's a little bit tough to look at points right now because people played so many different uh number of games but i will say the carolina hurricanes are leading their division in points even though there are plenty of teams that have more games than them some teams, like the Stars, have only played like 14 games or something like that. Uh, and they are second only to the Maple Leafs, who I believe have played two more games that's than right. the Carolina Hurricanes. Canes have in, games in hand, Hayes. Games that's in right, hand. Uh, plus 19 in goal differential. Uh, they are a very, very, very good hockey team. And if you remember, I think they're sitting on a little bit of cap space. Is that right, D.C.? After, yeah, they, uh, they cleared a little bit. Moves. Yeah, they put a little bit of cap space with the Ryan Dezingle trade. And then they one of the guys they brought in, they Galchenyuk, Wait. they got rid of him. Yep. So they actually cleared up even more cap space. So we'll see if, if they make any other moves. But uh, even standing right as they are, as healthy, I mean, obviously guys like Vin, Vinny Trocek have worked out even better than uh, expected. Um, where they are right now, they are a very, very, very good hockey team. And like I said, with that cap space, could even improve. Uh, the next thing you can talk about at lunch, the Charlotte Hornets with a Terry Rozier buzzer-beating win over the Golden State Warriors, 102-100. to Shout-out to D Draymond Green. He sort of helped the Hornets get a win by getting a tech late. And gave the, the Hornets free throws and the ball. But, hey, you still got to make the shots. And they had to put themselves in that position with a little bit of a comeback. Spearheaded again by a red-hot uh, Terry Rozier, uh, 36 points in the win last night. Uh, not last night. Um, what night was it? Saturday night? Saturday night. Um, Saturday night win. Okay. Yes. Steph Curry did not play for the Golden State Warriors. Okay. If you want to get specific about it. What's interesting is he did warm up for the Warriors. And even his dad wasn't sure why he wasn't playing. He was the start of the game when people were wondering, where's Steph? And the star among stars is nowhere to be found. Hey. You want me to send a text to his phone? <laughs> <laughs> You're not even in the game? I'm not getting in touch with the guy. I okay. got his number. <laughs> Del Curry on the Hornets broadcast. Yeah, or just text Steph. Be like, why aren't you playing? Turns out Steph was sick. Um, and of course, everybody immediately thinks he was, you know, he was in the warm ups, then didn't play. People think, oh, is it COVID? Uh, Steve Kerr said afterwards that it was not COVID related at all. He's just felt under the weather. I assume he probably had multiple false tests, but he just felt sick. And after consulting the team doctor in Charlotte, just decided not to play. Once again, here was 
what it sounded like when Terry Rozier put in the 102nd point of the game for the win for the Hornets. Hornets don't have a timeout. Chance to win it right here. Rozier. Going to have to put something up. Charlotte Hornets in eighth place in the East. They play again. Their West Coast win continues tonight at the Jazz. Um, I, will, I want to talk with with Brian Geisinger later about the uh, tie-up, jump ball, timeout rule. I, th- I think we could actually change some stuff there. And the final thing that you can talk about at lunch is Naomi Osaka winning the Australian Open. Novak Djokovic won it on the men's side. Osaka's only 23, now has four titles, and is 4-0 and in Grand Slam finals. That's our North Carolina Courage co-owner. And shout-out to Djokovic. Now 33 has 18 Grand Slam titles, nine Aussies. People need to start wondering what they're going to do if and when uh, Djokovic passes these other guys in in Grand Slams and who they're going to call the greatest of all time. Chip, no! Chip, don't do it! But my friends call me Chip. How am I supposed to chip without going on, Doug? Chip had the music blasting. We're not going to take it. Chip Patterson, CBS Sports and the Cover 3 podcast, joins us now. Talk about a number of things, including resume padding, which we're trying to do around here in the triangle, making everything look even better than it is. We're going to talk Deion Sanders. We're going to talk Cam Newton. They both ended up in interesting videos this weekend. But I have to start right here, Chip Patterson. I'm mad. Ohio State, Michigan. I'm, I'm angry. Uh, <laughs> we we should talk about that. All right. To be fair, we bag on on Big Ten basketball and probably Ohio sports in general, or Ohio as a state in general. Yes, we are prideful, and we're mad hearing all this talk about the ACC not being this, that good this year. I'm, like, so hopeful that Florida State and then either Duke, Virginia, UNC, somebody makes an Elite Eight run and then one or two of those in the Final Four just so we can tell everybody to shut up. But uh, but Ohio State-Michigan was a pretty good game, I will have to say. The no. – uh- I, I think Michigan's one of the cool. I think Michigan's one of the coolest stories of uh, the basketball season, and I think they're nasty. Uh, that their big center Hunter Dickinson is is fantastic, and they've still got like Isaiah Livers is the is the last holdover. He's a senior. He's got big hair. You'll recognize him because he was a key part of that team that made it all the way to the national championship game. I guess just three years ago uh, at this point. And I, I think they're deep. I think they're talented. I think they're really fun. And Juwan Howard's probably your national coach of the year. I mean, Howard was out there, like, for everything that he is already, like, Fab Five being, like, a another yep. part of the Heatles. Um, yep. And then he's out there with the John Thompson uh, towel over his shoulder with Thompson's face on it. I don't know, man. I can, I can really get behind – uh, Michigan being the one that disrupts this big Gonzaga Baylor theory. Like I, I, I would love for the Wolverines to knock off one or both of those teams in the final four. I can pull for Michigan. Actually, Michigan and Ohio state are both two very tolerable teams for me. You know, I'm not a huge like Iowa fan or whatever. Um, I'm, I don't like their coach that much. Um, but no, like, like you said, Michigan's a great story. And I will say, and, and I, I don't just mean this, down racial lines but like michigan feels like it has a mix of dudes white and black dudes who like could play in the nba and then there's just some dudes that like fill in that like look like they are straight out of big 10 country and like clearly aren't going to the nba does that make sense 
Yeah, the, the dude's name is Austin Davis, and he's even wearing like a shoulder sling out there. Yes. He's just like got a receding hairline, but daggum, he was in there like bumping butts with everybody on Ohio State trying to clear out room for rebounding. They're they're like a he deep went to Michigan. Team. He went to Michigan to play football, but then like did you know didn't make the the too deep on offensive lines. He's like, all right, let me see if I can go play basketball. I just did that instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, uh, no, but that that was a fun game. I, I'd be okay with either of those teams. Yes, I, I absolutely am, am ready to jump on the Michigan bandwagon in the second weekend of the tournament when there are no ACC teams left. Now, the thing I want to talk to you about, Chip Patterson, and that I'm mad about that you let this happen. I don't, I don't know how, but I'm just blaming you. I Google Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and I get all these headlines. Is BYU's Zach Wilson better than Trevor Lawrence? Jacksonville Jaguars is Zach Wilson really better than Trevor Lawrence and at 24 seven sports NFL teams debating if Zach Wilson is better than Lawrence. Now I do respect the, for the win gave me why you can ignore the rumors that some teams like Zach Wilson better <laughs> than Trevor Lawrence, but then back to rubbing the rock, multiple NFL teams have Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence, big lead. Some NFL teams apparently have Zach Wilson over. I mean, are we really doing this? Is this not the most naked example of like, we, we, we got to create stuff for people to talk about. So let's, can we get one credible source to say, yeah, we've considered Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence so that we can launch a thousand Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence headlines. What's happening here? I think that everyone's falling for the big lie. We've, we've talked a lot about the big <laughs> lie, you know, in, in, in recent months. And the big lie is Zach Wilson's uh, height and weight. And we're not going to have an NFL combine to be able to actually call this into question. But according to Brigham Young University, Zach Wilson is 6'3", 210 pounds. And if Zach Wilson is the same height as Justin Fields, then I'm 6'5". Like, this is ridiculous. He is uh, getting propped up to be... Uh, so much more of a and look we are in 2021 and i will admit that we've moved into this future where we don't look down on baker mayfield on kyler murray we have been proven sure. that height is not the the end-all be-all but zach wilson is diminutive compared to both trevor lawrence and justin fields and i i do think that some of this is the um, the infatuation from breaking down tape of him playing against inferior competition when he is so much, cl so clearly the best player on the field. But I, I, I'm just, I need to point it out that you're going to fall in love with him when you're breaking down tape, but don't make the mistake to, to actually favor Zach Wilson ahead of a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence. I think that all of this, it's a little bit too far out for it to be true smoke screen. So I wonder right. if it's just agent hype at this point. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, who are the most guilty parties of throwing these stories out there? It's like you got people with incentive are NFL teams that may want to like trade up or, or, or not have a dude drafted to the fall of it, whatever reason, like NFL teams have reasons, player agents, like, schools colleges don't really have any reason for this right like they don't there's not that much noted like trevor lawrence at this point if he and I, I don't think he will but even if he fell to like number two his legacy at clemson is not going to be that much different if he was you know whatever um like who is there anybody else outside of agents and the nfl teams themselves that have uh incentive for smoke screens 
So I, I was wondering if it's the teams in the top 10 that don't want a quarterback, right? Like you all of a sudden <laughs> leak out, like, listen, some people are considering <laughs> Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. And then all of a sudden you're able to get that team at 12 and I don't have the draft order ahead of me, but you're able sure. to get that team at 12 or whatever that is hoping Zach Wilson will be there. And they're like, well, I don't know. I mean, do we really want to risk it? I'm, I'm hearing on all these websites that Zach Wilson is being compared to Trevor Lawrence. We get, get together the draft picks, get together the assets. We got to make a trade to make sure we don't miss out on Zach Wilson. I, I got to think it's the teams in the top 10 that don't want a quarterback that want to boost Wilson's stock so they can get more in a trade down situation. And then, yeah, absolutely. The agent that is solely motivated by drumming up uh, lots of support. And th this is the conversation between an NFL insider and an agent. So, hey man, so, so what you, what you hearing these days, you know, what's, what's going on. And this agent has a lot of clients. It's not just Zach Wilson and the reporter maybe wants a story on another player's like, so tell me about your other client, blah, 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 blah. He's like, well, I, I can't, I can't say anything about that now, but what I can tell you, it's a lot of teams are looking at Zach Wilson. I mean, we're talking <laughs> the, the kind of looking where he might even go ahead of Trevor Lawrence and the NFL report is like, no way, really? And Zach Wilson's agent says, yes, really. And I'll tell you about that thing you wanted to know next week. But for right now, I'll just let you know, Zach Wilson's stock is hot. And then you, if that gets told to enough NFL insiders, sure. it gets aggregated by enough blogs, and uh, and that's right. how we land where we are today. I, I, I want to make a video of that process. I'm like, Here, here's how a simple conversation, you know, turns into people actually believing Zach Wilson will go. Wasn't that one of our first Bomani videos about the NFL draft process? Or was uh, that just a, a haze and chip video? It, it might be. It's, it's crazy. Those things are 10 years old now. So it's, uh, I, I do not as readily remember them. So, um, but no, that, but yeah, we can the, make that video. We'll do it. All right. All right. <laughs> Talking some college football and of course, college basketball. Chip, it was a, a big weekend for the Triangle teams. UNC, NC State, Duke all got wins. Josh Goodson declared it. So you're telling me there's a chance Saturday, and they all kept their chances alive. Um, based on net ranking alone, UNC is in the best shape uh, with a net 30, um, Duke 47, and NC State 84. Uh, each team has four games remaining. All of them have opportunities to improve their resume. Um, but before we looked at the teams themselves, I wanted to talk about improving people's resumes, right? Now, fortunately, you've been at CBS Sports for – you, you, do you have a decade at CBS Sports now? I, I do, August 2010. Wow. Um, so over a decade at CBS Sports, which means you have not had to – for, well, I don't pretend to get into your personal business. Maybe you've applied for other jobs. I don't know. But you haven't had to do as much resume tinkering as, you know, back in the day when you're, when we're finishing up our, uh, like our early 20s and you're sort of waking up to, wait a minute, am I actually going to have to present myself as a professional at some point in my life? And starting to realize the things we had done over the past three or four years maybe weren't as impressive as we would hope they would sound. Sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. So you and I and many others out there, I know feel this, you become an expert at like making your resume sound more impressive than it is taking things that you've actually done and making them sound better than they are. That's a little bit of what we're going through with, uh, with 
NCAA basketball right now. Like I, I know Kentucky fans are doing this because I think they've got a losing record, maybe both in conference and overall, but then they're looking and saying, hey, hold on. We just beat Tennessee. Look at some quad one wins that we have. Um, so Duke especially, two weeks ago, there was talk of not only are they outside the bubble now, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, with a few wins in a row, two impressive in the in the margin of victory, and one impressive over based on who the opponent was, I look at their resume and I realize the win loss won't look like a normal year. But but you kind of throw that out, right? Because it's sure. not a normal year. They're forty seventh in the net, three quad one wins, seven quad two wins, and they're Duke. And I'm like, they're definitely going to the NCAA tournament, right? Their resume is fine. Uh, not yet. What'd we say? <laughs> uh, last week I said they need to get that quad one total up to about three or four. And certainly they're, they're on the way there and they need to have their total quad one and quad two record up above 500. Like that's, that's the key coming down the stretch and you know, other teams can move in and out of those quadrants. So those things do shift a little bit from, um, you know, from night to night or even week to week. But when you've got a closing stretch of Syracuse, Louisville, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, if you win all four of those, then yeah, we're absolutely talking about Duke in a very different light in terms of them being an NCAA tournament team. And the thing that I think is going to help Duke is that, you know, within the net ranking, they also have, uh, you know, the combinations of both the resume metrics and the predictive metrics. And an example of a predictive metrics is like Ken Palm, right? Because it's breaking everything sure. down based on your efficiency margin. And that efficiency margin is used to predict what your score would be against uh, any other division one college basketball team. So even if the resume metrics for Duke don't end up looking great, like the strength of record is one of them. Uh, the predictive metrics right now, I think are all still going to be something that, that are going to help the blue devils, especially, especially when you consider that the defense has only gotten better because currently Duke has uh, the 15th ranked uh, offense in the country in terms of adjusted efficiency. And they've got the 80th ranked defense and that combined efficiency margin is 31. Uh, and I think that as the defense continues to get better and as they continue to improve that aspect with, a, you know, a little bit of more set rotation, a little bit more uh, confidence in in the system and in each other, you know, a lot of a lot of the defensive um, a lot of defensive execution is knowing where each other are going to be and being able to to go out there and play help and not have the kind of defensive breakdowns that I think we did see at times from the Blue Devils this year. Uh, you know, teams just being able to light it up from uh, behind the arc. So as that continues to improve, the net ranking will improve. And if you know, I gave those sort of targets for you know quad one and quad first two quadrant results. Right. But if they do end up winning out these last four games, then that net ranking will be boosted by some of these efficiency margins that are only going to be improving. And it's going to be hard for the selection committee to look at Duke finishing the season uh, on what would be a seven game winning streak. Plus, you know, who knows what happens in terms of the ACC tournament with a net ranking in the, the 30s uh, or somewhere around there, then that's going to end up looking like a, a pretty good resume. Yeah, they got Syracuse, Louisville, at Georgia Tech, at UNC to finish out. All right, so, Chip, if I mowed lawns in college, why, how would I want to put that on uh, on my resume? 
Oh, I love the word management. It's a real key piece to fluff up <laughs> okay. any resume. Uh, you managed and oversaw a small business that focused on landscaping with uh, multiple clients. And maybe you could even say it an expansion. Uh, like you only got paid for doing your lawn, but if you did a neighbor, you oversaw the expansion of a small landscaping business. <laughs> yes. All right. So Duke needs to make their 79-53 win over Clemson. That's their like, yeah, we must the lawn and it's like oh no 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 we we need that on our resume to look like a uh managed a multi-tier lawn care for the company and expanded the business um or or do if, if duke ends up winning at georgia tech sweeping georgia tech could be the equivalent of like yeah you just mowed some lawns you swept georgia tech but if you can make that sound like uh you know managing a lawn care business and expanding it then that's great all right what about uh nc state the odds are long, but let's say you give me a win at Virginia uh, and then they got Pitt at Notre Dame, Virginia Tech to finish. Let, let's just say they beat Virginia Tech and Defense. Virginia <laughs> and then split against Pitt and Notre Dame. NC State would have, I think, four quad one wins then and, and then three or four quad two wins. Um, what uh, Does NC State have any chance? I, I think that NC State's really going to have to make the argument that that Wake Forest game was like when you uh, when you participated and helped in the organization and planning of a charity run. When in reality, you just woke up at 9 a.m. on Saturday and put on the T-shirt and stood yeah. on the edge. Like you might not even run. You might just be passing out bottles of water to the people yes. that are running. That's what the Wake Forest win is. And you just really need to again organization charity community those are going to be your key buzzwords when you're trying to fluff up that nc state resume um yeah like i said we'll, we'll talk if they beat virginia but it's almost a need to win out situation for them as well chip patterson cbs sports the cover three podcast check him out there follow him on twitter at chip underscore patterson chip will talk to you later in the week and see if these resumes have improved anymore talk to you man sounds good y'all be well Ben Swain, how much more fun do you think it is doing Stormfront and Aftermath this season as opposed to, say, like six seasons ago? Chad, I, I remember listening uh, <laughs> on the way home from PNC, like when the Canes were bad. And just like the, 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 the quality of callers that would call into the show or just the topics that were being discussed were absolutely uh, gut-wrenching to listen to. Um <laughs> And, and you could tell uh, this is this is back when Maniscalco did it. You could just tell the annoyance in his voice at every call that he would get. Uh, and, and then uh, you know Alec has done a, a, an excellent job taking over for Maniscalco in, in, in that role. But yeah, that post game call, uh, you, it, like, why don't we trade everybody? <laughs> that's, yes, that's, it was. Well, it was like, can we trade for the best goalie in the league? It was like, why, well, could we trade for that guy? <laughs> You know, fire the coach, hire the best coach in the league. Why don't we draft better? I mean, just, you yeah. know, yes. Maniscalco, who again. We, what if we traded Jeff Skinner for Sidney Crosby? <laughs> who says no? Who says no? <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> like, Maniscalco would have these, like, disclaimers. He'd be, I feel like he'd just pick up a card and be like, let me, let me just read it again. Y yes, we could trade the whole team away. That's not going to happen. Like, it's just – and, and part of it is just, you know, the, there's 80-something games in a season, uh, and so some talk will always get repetitive, both the calls and just, you know, what a game looks like. But, I mean, just in a losing stretch, 
It has to be. <laughs> yeah, DC's reminding me. What about the checkers? Who can we bring up for the checkers? They're doing. They're doing well. Like bring up the whole team. <laughs> it just. It, it has to be so much more fun doing it right now. Not only because they're winning, but just because the way this team is and the attitude. And I, I want to start with where it starts with this team. Um, and obviously, they've gotten some drafts right over the past few years. Uh, uh, Aho, Svechnikov, the, the main ones of that. And, and you could go further. They've made some recent transactions. But Rod Brindamore as a head coach. And I don't know. I, I can't go and say, like, oh, he's not being talked about nationally. I don't know national hockey media enough. But I did some quick research. You ready for this? Yep. Rod Brindamore has a 617 point percentage. I went and tried to find like what the best of all time is like 626 would get him near the top 10 of best NHL coaches of all time. Obviously you need to get a certain number of games in, but 617 is looking pretty darn good, especially in a year that it's likely to go up some, uh, or do we not talk about how lucky we are to have Rod Brindamore enough? I mean, he's definitely not talked about nationally enough. I, I think here locally we, we recognize him, uh, Pretty appropriately. I mean, we are we are we're so lucky to have him. We love him as a player. We love having him back as a coach. We've talked about this with other uh, like college sports, right? Like like a college program having a coach that is perfect for that specific fan base. Uh, yep. We've seen a lot with NC. We, we talked about like Godfrey being a perfect coach for state bands, right? Like he would never be afraid to to mix it up with with Kay and Roy. And, uh, and even though he didn't have the success on the field, like his personality matches the fan base. And if you think about Brendamore, the most important thing about Rod Brendamore is that he didn't want to be an NHL coach. He wanted to be the Carolina Hurricanes coach, right? Like he's not out there yeah. looking for other jobs. It wasn't like he, he wanted to, you know, take an assistant role and, and kind of bounce around the league. He wanted to be here in Carolina. And this is where he has roots. This is where his home is. This is where his family is. And, uh, and he's a Carolina Hurricanes guy, and that's what this franchise is all about. It's built on, you know, th- this, is, this is our team, this is our personality, this is what we do, and, and uh, there is no question about that. And, and so it's, it's really remarkable the job that he's done, but he is so perfect for this franchise in, in this area and uh, just so lucky to have him. Um. Ben Swain joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. I also just hear, you know, he, he does, he's, he's very public, very open. He'll come on our show. He goes, he talks to Alec all the time, talks to uh, Adam Gold all the time, and just seems like very open and honest with him too. I, I just, he's going to go down as, you know, obviously you and I were born in a time where we didn't have professional sports, not only in the, in this area, but in this state, right? So when you talked about who the most important sports figures were in the state, it, it revolved around the sports that were most important, namely college basketball, some college footballs and others. He is going to go down as, as one of the greatest sports figures for this state. I mean, obviously bringing, you know, he was part of professional sports sort of blooming here. If the Canes don't win the Stanley cup, you never know if things might look different. You see what, you know, what's happened to Atlanta Thrashers and, franchises that never really grabbed that foothold. Now we're a generation in he's back coaching. Um, and it presumably will do this for, you know, you got to think at least five years, maybe a 10 or 15 or beyond. He's 50, 50 years old. He's a young dude. Um, and he's going to, and at that point, 
people who were, will, will have li lived for 30 or 40 years and were born when the Carolina Hurricanes existed, right? They'll think of Canes hockey as much of a North Carolina sport as you and I think of ACC basketball uh, being one. And that, th that combination of things is going to make him one of the greatest sports figures in the history of this state. Um, it's, it's just, I think sometimes you have to step back and realize uh, how important he is again, not, not just to the franchise and not just to one sport, but just to, you know, sports in this state. And then you yeah, mentioned, I, he's... I think it's, it's, you mentioned college basketball and, and, and I don't want to get too off the train here talking about, uh, talking about that when there's a lot more to talk about the hurricanes, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you see, a connection between like coaching legends like Kay and Roy that we have here in, in the triangle and similarities to Rod Brendamore. I mean, his father-in-law is an ACC coaching legend, right? Yeah. Like uh, there's, there's that he's had both of those, you know, coaches in to, to talk to his teams, the video that's floating around again today, because we were a, a year ago from the, the David Ayers game, when he walks in the locker room and, and starts talking about, it, you know, it's not often that sports gives you a moment. Who does yeah. that sound like? That, that, like I, I literally think I've been in a press conference where Coach K has said those words after, yeah. uh, after a basketball game. It, 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 and and, and uh, we've, we've joked about this before. Like, could you take Roy Williams or Coach K and plug them into, like, a soccer team or – a baseball team and they're not going to have the X's and O's, but just the leadership qualities they have is going to rub off on that organization and they would be successful in that role, like a, a real life Ted Lasso kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think Brendan works yeah. the same way. Like you give him, give him the Charlotte Hornets and he's definitely not going to have the X's and O's knowledge, but there's going to be a personality. There's going to be, you know, a, a culture around that team pretty quickly. That's going to be successful. Uh, it's very cool. And he also, as you've talked about before, it, super involved on the on the youth level. Um, I, yeah. Obviously, as kids participate, but realizes how important that is to building a hockey culture as well and makes appearances at, at, uh, at practices and stuff like that. Uh, he's, he's just awesome. Um, uh, how much uh, – I, I was thinking about this in terms of uh, basketball this year where, yes, we had some non-conference play, but basically for the – you know, past couple months of the season. And, and well, again, we'll have some unique situations like UNC filling in games with non-conference, but there we're going to get to the point where we're in the NCAA tournament and people have been playing sort of in their own bubbles for a while. And again, I know that's, that's normally how it goes. Like you finish with the conference season, but there's just more crossover to get a feel of like who, you know, when the, when the best teams play each other, looking at hockey, that's going to be happening this year. Uh, where basically you only play your division, then you play in the playoffs. The first like two rounds are going to be to finish yep. your division. And then all of a sudden you'll get to a final four and you'll be facing some team that you haven't seen all year. And you haven't seen a team that they've played all year either. Uh, have you heard people talk about the, how that, what a difference that's going to make? Or have you heard anything about like, is the central division considered one of the best ones or are the Canes leading what's considered, uh, you know, not the best division? So I haven't heard anybody mention it, but it's it, it's fascinating. Like you look at you look at our uh, division, you look at the central, and you've got uh, going just based on on league standings, you've got uh, Carolina second in points, Florida third in points, and Tampa Bay ninth in points. 
you know, if you sort that by, by percentage, right. it's, it's uh, two, three, and five. So you've got three of the best teams in the league so far. And, again, there's a lot of questions about can Florida keep that pace, can Carolina keep that pace. I think Tampa's kind of earned a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But you've got three of the best five teams in the league in the Central. And, and you mentioned it, it may be easier to get into the playoffs, but, man, you don't want to be that second seed, right? You don't want to be no. that second seed and you're playing the third seed that's one of the best five teams uh, in, in the league. Um, so for the Canes to get to that final four, you got to go through Tampa and Florida uh, more than likely. And, and then uh, once you get to the final four and you're playing those teams that you haven't seen all year, if the Canes get to that point, that's got to favor the Canes, right? Because what do, you, what do you hear every time a team plays the Hurricanes for the first time? That was not fun, right? Like they come out right, of the right, game right. and they're like, yeah, that's not fun playing those guys. We were not prepared for, for that, you know, level of speed, that level of intensity, that 60-minute grind. It is a huge advantage for the Hurricanes once you get to that. We've never played this team before seven-game series. Um, so, yeah, getting in the playoffs much easier the Central. Getting to the Final Four, probably the hardest of any other division, um, it, it, even – uh, even the the, uh, the the Eastern Division that we talked about before the season, it's probably harder to get to that level. But once you get there, man, I really favor the Hurricanes uh, in that Final Four. Yep. Follow them on Twitter at Swain. A huge Duke win on Saturday, and they play Syracuse tonight. So, obviously, I'm not going to talk Duke Hoops with you at all. Um, but, uh, but I like their resume now. You like their NCAA chances? I, I, think, I think everybody's missing the big story here, which is – not can Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and whatever, can these teams like find their way back into the tournament field? It's how the hell are we not going to have an NIT this year if we don't? Right. Like if uh, you've got Duke and Kentucky on the out, on the, like the last four in or first four out, whatever, how do you not have an NIT this year and, and have, and have those teams play? So or, I, I think that's, that's the bigger story is if Duke doesn't get in, how do you not have them playing on TV in some kind of postseason tournament? Or if Kansas is in danger, all these teams have, have been trending up recently, but Kansas and Michigan State have been in danger sometimes too. Just like, hey, get together and play a, a, a four-team tournament and de- declare yourself champ. People will watch. Hey, can we chill? Can we chill with the? Uh, you've you've seen all these tweets from college basketball media that are like the Blue Bloods are on their way back, and then they mention like Arizona and Michigan <laughs> State and Syracuse. No, those guys are not blue bloods. Leave them out of this. Uh, yeah, if if you didn't have them in your first time since whatever they weren't ranked tweets, don't put them in your the blue bloods. Blue are bloods back are back tweets. A hundred percent. Nobody was talking about the first time since Arizona missing. Um, nah, you're not a blue blood. Uh, all right, dude. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you later this week. Yep. See ya. The Charlotte Hornets won on a buzzer beater this Saturday before hitting the road and headed out west. They have a fun road trip coming up, a fun couple of games. If you're a fan watching the games, might not be fun for the Hornets uh, if they start losing them. But I want to talk to Brian Geisinger because when I looked at the NBA standings in the east, I believe I saw the Charlotte Hornets where they eternally live in the eighth spot. Now, things are a little bit different now because if you've forgotten, 
between seven and ten will be sort of a play-in. So te- technically, you will be in the postseason. We haven't determined if they're called the playoffs or not yet. Just by being a top ten team in the East, which it looks like Charlotte is very much on track to do. But I did find it humorous. Um, the the joke has been the, the Hornets never did a full-on like tank, right? Where they never they never tried to be the worst so that they could get the number one pick. They basically have middled been anywhere from you know in the Kimby years they got up to a as high as a six seed or were, were they higher than that um, yeah with- so yeah so they they did tank one season which was the the 2011 2012 season um that's like right at the start of MJ sort of like being the owner or the chairman of the team that's also when they lost out on the lottery draft Anthony Davis gotcha, gotcha, KG okay. famously with the number two overall pick since then However, yes, mostly middling, mostly gunning for, uh, you know, desperately gunning for the eighth seed. The best they ever got was in 2016. That was when they were the sixth seed, but they had the third best record in the Eastern Conference that year, like uh, like a handful of teams tied at the same record. So they played Miami in the first round of the playoffs in 2016, and both the Heat and Hornets had the same regular season record. And then... Last season, they didn't quite bottom out, bottom out, but they were, you know, they didn't go like scorched earth, but they were right there. And then they lucked up into moving up into the lottery from, they were, they had like, I think the eighth or ninth best odds. And then they vaulted up to number three. Uh, and that's when they were able to draft LaMelo Ball. And uh, yeah, that sort that certainly has changed uh, the arc of the franchise going forward by, by, by by amounts that we can't even like quantify quite yet, you know. <laughs> All right, like it's, uh, of, it's wild. Speaking of which, I have a feeling Lamelo will not be the answer to your, to this question now. The part of the question is when when will he be the answer to this next question I'm about to ask you? Whether it's next season, two seasons from now, or sometime before then. But my question to you, Brian Geisiger, who's the Charlotte Hornets' best player right now? It's Gordon Hayward. Um, okay, still who's, who's even the, over Ro- yeah, even over Rozier. Yeah, yeah, yes, I think so. I mean, I, I don't. I think Hayward's defense is better than Rozier, and he does uh, a lot as like a playmaker for Charlotte's offense. Like Rozier is amazing, and uh, he's had a great season too. He's turned into one of the best clutch performers in the NBA, and can be like a very exciting offensive player when he's got it rolling. He's, I, I think last week, even before the weekend games, was leading the NBA in spot-up efficiency. He's one of the best guys shooting off screens. But no, I think Hayward's all-around offensive game, his ability to make plays for others, his ability to score from different regions of the court, more isolation scoring than Rozier, and what he does defensively, being able to guard a variety of position types and just being solid defensively, whereas Rozier is like uh, a little spotty defensively. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> what's what are his weaknesses not i just don't think rosier's like team defense is great in terms of like gotcha. being in the right place at the right time rotating um he has a tendency to like want to pick up the ball like you know like almost full court and i think there's some value to that like having a, a point of attack defender like rosier but um i don't know i think he leaves i think he leaves charlotte exposed defensively in some areas too all right, uh, I've got a rule change proposal for you, or it might be something that's the the evolution of it's already happening, and I don't know about. Um, and actually, this would have um, 
worked against the Charlotte Hornets in their win over the Warriors. For those who didn't watch the game, part of the reason Rozier was in a position to hit a game-winning uh, shot at the buzzer <laughs> was because there was a tie-up near midcourt, guys on the floor, guys trying to call timeout. The Hornets are granted a timeout, even though Draymond Green thought that he had tied up the ball. Green ends up getting a tech and ejection, and that's on him. I got no – you know, that, that's yeah. his fault. And Steve Kerr, you know, they said he's got to be smarter than that. Um, obviously, Draymond's always <laughs> well, good. you think he should be smarter than that? <laughs> to not, um, to not like the refs gave him some runway on this, by the way, too. Like they let him yell at them for a, like a couple of seconds, and then they called yeah. him technical. No, he they, also they, like go ahead. on this last play too. On this last play too, like there's a tie up, there's a jump ball at midcourt, and like Draymond's lucky he didn't get called for a foul. Like there's a loose ball after the jump ball. Gordon Hayward is like going to corral it. And Draymond sprints from like 15 feet over and just like, it's not a tackle, but it's something between like a love tap, an honest play for the basketball and a tackle. And like Hayward goes there, to the ground. That's when he calls the timeout. And that's when Draymond thought he got the jump ball. And it was like, dude, they let you get away with a foul here probably. Why <laughs> are you so mad right of, now? Yeah, you're allowed to make contact with a guy in a way that you would not. If he's on the floor with the ball, like you can kind of fall on a guy as long as you have your hands out going for the ball. But yeah. that, okay, that leads to my possible proposed rule change. Remember a All couple right. years ago, uh, it, it used to be a big thing of like, if grab a loose ball, jump out of bounds, and while you're in the air, turn around and call a timeout, and you would get yeah. it, right? You'd keep the yes. ball. And they got uh -huh. rid of that, I think, at, at both levels, college and NBA, where some variants of you have to have a foot down, but like, you can't be flying in midair over out of bounds and call timeout, right? Yeah, uh, definitely okay. in college, I, and I believe yeah. in the NBA too. Yeah, I think so too. They want to encourage you, like try and make a play, save it, throw it off somebody yes. else, whatever. But no, you know, yeah, I I think I don't think you should be able to call a timeout on if you're on the floor, partly because I think it, there is hmm. a messy like whose hands are on the ball. Do you have possession, or are you just sitting next to the ball and you're trying to call a timeout? I, I'd like you either have to make a play to get it to a teammate or go more quickly to a, to a jump ball in that situation. Yeah. I'm interested in that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for a lot of stuff that has just like live action that continues to play. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, where, where there would be less stoppages and more, more sort of like free, free flowing action. But I don't know. I, I get the feeling and I could be wrong. Like I'm, I would be open to this idea. I certainly wouldn't like strongly oppose it. I do think there is something to be said about like if you go to the ground to get a ball, that's a hustle play in yeah, some sort yeah. of so like the the reward for that is that you 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 like you went down, you got possession. There's really no you can't get off the court with the ball, right? Yep. You like you yourself, if you dove for the ball, you can't like pick yourself up and start up. dribbling, right? You know what yep. I mean? So I think this is giving you some sort of advantage to maintain possession after you, I don't know, for lack of a better term, earned it, you know what I mean, by going yeah. going down to the floor and getting it. Um, as we mentioned, an interesting West Coast swing for the Hornets. They'll play the Jazz tonight, one of the most interesting teams, the Suns with Chris Paul, the Warriors, <laughs> hopefully with Steph Curry this time, the Kings who have some ACC and North Carolina ties dudes, the Blazers, yeah. and then the Timberwolves who happened to have the uh, first coach fired. Uh, was <laughs> Ryan Saunders, did, did, should he have – is that one of those where like maybe he shouldn't have been the coach or is it, or is it just like yeah. terrible luck to become head coach during COVID and then all the other things that have happened with the T-Wolves? 
Yeah, unfortunately. I think he got when Saunders got this job, it seemed like he was probably going to be in a little over his head. You know what I mean? But you you understood why the Timberwolves tried it. He's he's flip. He's the late son of the late Flip Saunders, who is yep. the like godfather of Minnesota basketball or basketball in the state of Minnesota, like both college and pro. And um, and so I, you can see why they wanted to give him a shot, wanted it to work. And from all accounts, Saunders seems like a super nice guy, um, whatever. Uh, but I'm not like the Timberwolves have been a, have been a, a mess this year. And uh, right now, what's most important for the Timberwolves outside of like whether Chris Finch is the right hire or not, or whether they messed up by uh, overlooking David Vanderpool, which maybe they did. I think Chris Finch is like in a vacuum, a, a great coach. So. Uh, but I don't you know who knows if they made the right decision here um, right now, the Timberwolves because of the D'Angelo Russell trade with golden state, they could potentially lose their 2021 first round pick. It's top three protected. So if that pick falls somewhere in the top three, they keep that pick and they can draft Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, whatever. If that pick falls to number four, um, man, like they got way bigger problems than like who's coaching the team because that pick conveys, you know, then all of a sudden you give golden state a, you know, a top five pick or whatever. Yep. So Minnesota's a bit of a mess, but they have some really, really talented young players with uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony towns is amazing. We just don't get to see it all that much because he plays, um, he plays up in Minnesota. Yep. Anthony Edwards is training this weekend. If you have not seen it, just Google his name and probably <laughs> a dunk will be the first thing that pops so up. So sick, dude. Uh, so PG nasty. We'll talk some more NBA. We'll talk tonight's Hornets game and tonight's Duke game uh, when you join yeah. us on the show tomorrow, man. We'll talk to you. Yeah, sounds good. Tavares centering pass. A chance. Here's said no. It's loose in the crease. He's got it. Austin Matthews chopping at one. And David Ayers comes up big. Sports Channel at the radio show. Just wishing everybody a happy David Ayers Day. Gross. I don't know. If, is, it, is it officially one year ago today, Dennis Cox? That, that is David correct. Ayers one year ago today. I, 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 swear, I swear that we treat the David Ayers Day like National Pizza Day. And there's like seven <laughs> of these a year. Like Happy. Well, it's only been one year. We can't have done no, it that many times. But I feel like we've done this 16 different times. Oh, it's, it's National E-Bug Day. It's National like uh, <laughs> Hockey oper hockey Operations Turn Goaltender Day. On, Happy on David Ayers' birthday. David Ayers' birthday, I bet we did. We gave him a shout-out. Yes. Uh, yes. It is, it is Happy David Ayers' Day. Just the, the greatest moment in the history of sports occurred one year ago. Oh, my God. When the emergency backup goalie came in. The Carolina Hurricanes, David Ayers, and got the win with no help from the rest of the Canes. They all Gross. just laid down, and David Ayers just took everything that was fired at him. Now, Josh Goodson, not a big fan. Josh Goodson, we um, yeah, this song. Your... I, I know, I know. This song is for the loser who wanted to call out my integrity. <laughs> this, this is. He's not a loser, first of all. Shout out to our guy, Lee. I'm not going to give you his full name. I'll, I'll let him keep some anonymity. Here's why we're shouting out Lee. He's hit us up before, but he reminded me he lives in Alaska during the summer and Vegas during the winter. That's right. So Lee catches us as a West Coast wake-up show. Wake up, Las Vegas. It's time to get those Duke bets in. 
Maybe Josh Goodson will tell us what the Duke-Syracuse line is. But go ahead and place down your bets because it's 8.30 in the a.m. and you're a degenerate and it's time to get in the casino. No, I have no idea if our man, how much our man Lee gambles. However, Lee wrote in Josh Goodson. First of all, just shout out to anybody who lives in Vegas and Alaska and is listening to Sports Channel, the radio show on the rec. He says, I live in Alaska during the summers, Vegas during the winters, and I've contacted you guys a couple times. You're incorrectly describing teasers compared to how it works here. And he's actually in Vegas. I know you're Josh Vegas, but he's in Vegas. Lives in Vegas. Move... Lives in Vegas guy <laughs> trying to tell <laughs> you about gambling. Like, I live can... in Vegas, so I know I know things. You can only move the line five points for a teaser. Goodson's nine-point teaser is called multiple names, including a big teaser, super teaser, and monster teaser. The payout is much less than a teaser. Josh Goodson, explain yourself. You've been cheating on the teasers? No, no, no. He, he specifically said it's usually, what, four points? And, yeah, if you're doing two teams and four points, that's an even mo- – you get paid even money in theory, right? You bet $100 and it hits, you win $100 back. I've only – I've just been teaser. doing – right on the two gotcha. I've been doing four teams, and the payout's only even money. I, have, I don't think I've one time got on the air haze and said, guys, if you go bet this, it's 20 to 1 odds. No, I don't, I don't think I've ever indicated or led someone to believe that. Have I? No, I, no. I, I, maybe we needed to express it more clearly because then you sent me the um, the, the odds that you were working off of. of like, yes, you can do a four-team, four or four-and-a-half or five-point teaser. That's what he's saying you'll most commonly find out in Vegas. But the payout come, starts to go to three-to-one or five-to-one or whatever it is. Like, I, I yes. don't have the full chart in front of me. So Josh Goodson is merely trying to get even out. Like, the same bet if you just went and tried to get, okay, I'm going to bet Duke Syracuse tonight, but you're like, man, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, right? But the whole point is, okay, but if you could move the line s- several points, and you start to feel very confident, like, yeah, I'm going to get this right every time. Now, the trick is you got to get four of them right and have the confidence. Right. But no, according to the, the thing that you sent me, a four-team special with 110 to 100 odds, which is basically even money, um, that you get nine basketball points to move and 12 football points. And now that I'm thinking about it, do we give you 13 football points to move? I think maybe you have uh, points. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? I, I need you to do something for me. I need <laughs> no. you to right now, I need you to right now determine who is right in this, me or Lee. And you can't do a cop out and say both. You have to t- pick a side right now. Okay. Have I been doing Have I been doing anything nefarious, which is what Lee is uh, intimating I have been. Right, he he is making a, a statement that I have been leading people um, no, incorrectly, I, and I've never maybe done. I that. wanted it to sound more like that than Lee. Lee was merely pointing out that we were saying it incorrectly. Um, he, here, I am going to to split it. Right, you oh, are correct, and that you haven't been doing anything nefarious, and that's what I wanted to make it sound like. Lee thinks of a four a, a four team teaser as something that's getting bigger odds for the payout. We should say this explicitly. You are just trying to get a even money payout, and that's why you get four teams, nine points. I'm assuming Correct. Lee will listen to this. I learned him we were going to talk about this today. We'll see if he has any response. So I, I don't think he was I don't think he was questioning your integrity. I think he was trying to inform the show. I wanted it to turn into a questioning of your integrity. Okay. The only um, reason you thought it the only reason you took any time to do it is because like I said, Lee made it out to be lives in Vegas guy. So he's obviously <laughs> yeah, an yeah, author- he authority. Authority. I figure. did like he said out that's not how it works out here. 
Not that's not how it works in Vegas. That's right. not how it works here. Get out of here. Where he is. All right. With that in mind, it's time to check Josh Goodson's can miss teaser. Do you do you look at these at all now? I, I just assume they win. Okay, we, we've got another discrepancy <laughs> here as well that we, we might need to get Dennis Cox's ruling on. All right, leg one of your teaser. You had Oakland versus Wisconsin, Milwaukee. You needed to go over 142. Final score was, I believe, 89 to 87. That is right. 176. You saw no, it was eighty. It was eighty. It was eighty-five, eighty-one. You gotta, you gotta look at these things a little better because there's a lot of these teams are playing Friday, Saturday back to backs, and I'm taking the Friday outcome. Okay, all right. Well, that that's gonna come up very importantly here in just a minute because I, okay. I don't know. We may need to check the tape and see if you said you were taking the Friday game. Well, I only, Cal- no, whenever whenever I do this on Fridays, the only lines I have available are for Friday games. Mm, I don't know. We'll we'll see if we trust him. Cal Northridge. Um, going back to the well with your boy, uh, the God that's man. Godfrey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Plus 12 and a half against Hawaii. They beat Hawaii 88, 80 God, man, got it done. So obviously but I took the different. Friday one again. They only lost by one. I still won the bet, but you're looking at the wrong scores. All right. Then, then it's really going to get dicey here for grand Canyon as they pick them versus Cal Batfist. Cause I've got the scores for both games. They won on Friday night, 71-61, but they lost on Saturday, 65-62. Yeah, it's a winner. So you're, te- so you're telling me that you got the Friday game. Yeah, the, right. I don't. there's no line. Saturday Saturday lines do not come out until around 3 o'clock on Friday, 2 or 3 o'clock on Friday. How could I take a line for a game at uh, – when, when do I do this segment? 11 a.m. on Fridays, is that right? Yeah. I, I don't even have Saturday lines available. Don't don't do what you're trying to do, Permar. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> All right, well, quit taking games where they play twice in one weekend. Make it more easy for me. All right, finally, you had San Jose San Jose State plus twenty four and a half against UNLV. San Jose San Jose State lost both times, but both times they covered twenty four and a half easily. Josh Goodson, your even money, four team, nine point teaser. Once again, cannot miss. It hits. I know. Congratulations. I know. I know. Uh, I know. All right. Very quickly, I know you. I know you don't want to talk anymore about David Ayers. We got you gambling in. How about your Wolfpack men and women getting it done this week, and you being right on the. Uh, so you're saying there's a chance Saturday. Everyone kept their hopes alive. Uh, big win for the Pack men and women this weekend. Uh, first off, we'll start with Pack women. They should vault to two or three because some other teams lost, and they should also. Dr- vault to the one seed line after this week because i think louisville who was ahead of them lost as did um south carolina so that's a good thing they beat the crap out of unc i didn't watch any of it yesterday i was playing golf i just knew they won by like 20. the men i told you i'm not doing this yet right i told yes, you uh, I, i've been using that the whole show i've been like the door is open but we have to wait till a must win game wednesday to get excited yeah that's that's all i'm saying if they win wednesday and also, they're getting a little help from UNC, who UNC jumped all the way from like 55 to 35 in the net. Like, if it's, the, that's like the biggest jump in the history of the net or something just ridiculous, <laughs> sure. um, evidently. But um, they're, they're teetering on getting in Q1 territory and such. So, no, like, just I was happy with the win at Wake. It's good to see. Good to see an easy win. We'll wait till Thursday. Thursday morning, we can, we can uh, talk about the PAC's NCAA chances. All right, if the pack beats Virginia, oh, no, it's Thursday, so we'll, we'll see you here Thursday regardless. You'll be here to talk about it. 
Uh, all right, dude. We'll talk to you later this week, my man. Ask Adam Gold how I did with uh, my bet segment with him last week, too. If everybody's trying to fact check me now, crushed it with <laughs> crushed it with him. Will do. Uh, the Canes yeah. Corner Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things Kane. Joins host Adam Gold every morning after a Canes game. He brings you the morning after Canes Corner Podcast. Also on the Canes Corner Podcast right now is a special podcast, the David Ayers. Uh, it probably has a better name than that, but basically celebrating the David Ayers moment one year ago. Adam has, I believe it's a three-part special on that. If you subscribe to the Canes Corner Podcast, It'll come right in that feed here to talk about that podcast and what's happening on the Adam Gold Show noon to three today here on 99.9 The Fan is Adam Gold. What's going on, sir? Oh, nothing. Just reliving what happened a year ago today. Also, uh, because the game is on right now, I'm watching the the Hurricanes and the Lightning from Saturday night. Uh, They were pretty doggone good. Uh, I kept reading every headline or somewhere in the first sentence of your story or headline, you had to say most complete game of the year. Is that true? Yeah, because, you know, we thought it was Friday against Chicago, and then they one-upped it against Tampa. Uh, They're really good. They've been really good the last two games, uh, and it's not just the score. It's not just the win. It's how they go about it. Uh, They were just really solid, and uh, they're finally getting to the game that Rod Brindamore wants them to play. There's a lot of new guys who are chipping in, too. I mean, it's not just uh, Cedric Paquette, the guy they got from Ottawa yep. in the trade. Uh, you know, Jesper Foss is playing great. Look, they're 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 one of the best teams in the NHL. It's time for Hurricanes fans to kind of come to grips with the fact that your team is a legit Stanley Cup contender. This is uh, not it, can be good. This is good. It, it's interesting because it's going to be a year where like you don't know what the the other divisions really look like right. until you meet them in the final four. So it'll be. Uh, it'll be curious to see if they meet somebody, you know, if one team steamrolls another in those conference semifinals where one division was clearly plan on uh, Boston road or <laughs> plan on seeing Boston at some point. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's all right. Well, that no, is. no, they, they That's are how it goes in the playoffs. They're equipped. They are equipped to play and beat Boston. All right. They are not. You said it, not me. What else is happening on the show today? Uh, we'll do a, what a, what a weekend for, uh, for big four hoops. Sorry, wake. And, you know, this was not a good Wake performance, but I think this was more about State kind of getting to the game that we thought we would see from them earlier. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you get to your game in basketball? I thought that was only a hockey thing. No, no, no. It's it's the whole thing, man. It's a hockey term that should be across all sports. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because Ben Swain and I are like, everybody, uh, what was the one adjective or or, or term that was used to describe Paquette when when he came here? Did you see? I saw one. Over and over and over, he brought a certain element of sandpaper. Yeah, 100%. sandpaper. So Swain and I are going to take sandpaper Ritz. into some other sports. Yeah, but, but I don't know he, if I'm. Re- you know, you I don't should. Know if I'm ready to take get to your game in other sports. <laughs> you you, you should. And I would like to know, like, what what grade sandpaper? How coarse is the sandpaper? Because there's different grades. There's some sandpaper that you don't want to be. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that sounds like something Alec Campbell would know. <laughs> Alec Campbell would know different grades of, of sandpaper. He might. I'm sure, he, uh, I'm sure he's got a ready. 80 grit. He might, but I love State. Uh, Duke, I mean, I know this is they still have a lot of work to do, but they're putting themselves in range uh, of in. Uh, of getting Duke's to in. the NCAA. I, they're, they're not in. in. They're, they're not in. in. I mean, they look, they have four regular season games left. They Who's- probably need to win three of them. Who's the CBS executive now? Who's the head of CBS Sports now? Oh. I would used to say Sean McManus Dude, or whatever. Dude, w- yeah. would it not be amazing to see Duke in the first four? 
they're picking up the phone and saying, hey, uh, I, I don't know about your resumes or your nets or your formulas, but just Duke's in. Put him Click. in the first four, man. That'll be, oh. gonna be the, gr- the greatest ratings ever for the first four if Duke's in it. Uh, and I'm, Carolina I'm sure, right now is top four in the ACC. If they are in the first four, I'm sure they'll make Central their opponent because they always end up getting screwed yeah, there. So. Central has played what? Four four conference games this year. They, they'll still win the they conference. Have both games this this week's uh, canceled against South Carolina State. They hope to play NCA and T this week. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good show. Check it out noon to three right here on ninety nine nine The Fan. And do check out his David Ayers special yeah. edition podcast. And Ayers is on the show today. today. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, you can check that out. What time is he coming on? Two fifteen. Two fifteen. I'll make sure Josh Goodson uh, has it in his uh, planner. I'm sure so. he does. All right. We'll talk to you, my man. All right. With the few minutes we have remaining, we have just enough time to decide if things are overrated, underrated, or properly rightly rated. This is Rightly Rated. I think we've been overrated. I think they've been underrated. Rightly Rated is brought to you by Wave Tech. You can effectively and successfully treat your ED for good with no pills, no pain. Schedule free consultation. Text WAVE to 322-32-32. First up in Rightly Rated, Jack Nicholson. Is Jack Nicholson overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? This comes up because he is the most recent addition to Trip Tracy's long list of Kaniacs. One flew over the cuckoo's nest and <laughs> Jack Nicholson, the lifelong Kaniac. Absolutely. <laughs> if, if, in case you missed it, Trip Tracy, to his credit, is following Sports Channel, 8 lead, Sports Channel 8's lead. We make everyone a hashtag pack pro. He is turning everyone into a Kaniac. Although, like, his ties are very tenuous. We at least have to go through the effort of making Naomi Osaka a pack pro because she's a part owner of a soccer team that's right here yeah. in the triangle. Uh, but the bigger question is Jack Nicholson overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? What well, do you think about Jack Nicholson? I have a question to follow this up, Hayes. Okay. Jack Nicholson now or 1974? 74. <laughs> I'm going to go rightly rated. All right. That's a strong use of Billy Madison audio. Jack Nicholson, like, he may actually have moved into the underrated category. I don't may know have. what his last big movie was. Maybe The Departed. He's just got so many monsters. Monster roles. Um, you know, just Shining, A Few Good Men, Batman. Then way back, Chinatown, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Just great movie. Monster roles. Um, he's an all-time great American actor. All right, next up on Rightly Rated, High Balls. Are High Balls overrated, underrated, or rightly rated? This comes up because somebody was talking about High Balls this weekend. Uh, Houston, the people in Texas, before you go back? Um, I'm understanding the reason why it was so cold in Houston because my hot balls was in there the whole week. <laughs> yeah, I was freezing. So I'm coming back tomorrow. So the news did say it's supposed to be 70 degrees tomorrow. So we're looking up. What Remind me of my man's name. He's an Derek MMA Lewis. fighter. Derek Lewis loves yes. referencing. Uh, different things related to balls. These are high balls. I'm assuming he means like rum and coke, scotch and soda, usually an alcoholic drink mixed with some sort of carbonated beverage. High balls, the cocktail, or however you want to interpret it. Are they overrated, underrated, or rightly rated, Dennis Cox? Can't say I drink them, so I'll go rightly rated. Uh, they're great. It's, it's your classic, like, you know, wedding bar fair, you know, some, something fizzy and then an alcohol part to it in a highball glass. That's your highball. Uh, on a serious note for a second, uh, thoughts with everybody in Texas. I know they are still going through it. It's going to be a long recovery, and already they're having to deal with people politicizing things and squabbling over 
who to blame. Yes, we should figure out where things went wrong. But first of all, let's uh, let's help everybody get back on their feet there in Texas. Again, the weather is better now, but there's still a lot of people uh, struggling in the conditions. So our, our thoughts go out to them. Uh, finally, in Rightly Rated, our hot mics. Overrated, underrated, or rightly rated. This comes up because this is what halftime of one of the first FCS games of the spring sounded like. That was the referee on the field complaining about not being able to hear in his headset. Unfortunately, he was then going to be complaining about his mic being left on because everyone heard him. It was You got to watch it without the bleeps. We can't play it, but like it's so perfectly framed with the ending of the band playing. Da, na, na, yeah. na, 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 na. I can't hear blank on this blankety blank. Hot mics. Oh. <laughs> Rightly rated. Be careful with them out there. Uh, we will talk Duke-Syracuse tomorrow. More Canes, more Hornets. A lot of sports action tonight. Sports Channel 8, we out. You've been listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. This podcast also drops every weekday at noon. Thanks again for listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast.